Amen. We're in Ephesians chapter 1. If you're just joining us, we're doing a series called Unity in the Body of Christ. And we suggested a couple weeks ago, I said, hey, the first three chapters are basically God just bringing us to himself as a father and saying, let me tell you what I've done for you. There are no commandments in the first three chapters. So it's often uh, been said that the first three chapters are about our wealth. It's about our blessings. It's about our riches. And then the last three chapters are about our walk, about our behavior, about our responsibility. So this first sentence, as Pastor Bob mentioned last week, verses 3 through 14 are this one long extended sentence which, which has undertones of the triune God. We see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit mentioned. And in addition, we see three times this phrase, it's to the praise of his glory. So it's almost as though we're, we're, we're singing a hymn together. But the overall point of this passage is Paul says we should be praising God because he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Now the thing is, sometimes that's hard because we'd like to get an earthly blessing. I need a stimulus. I need a job. I need a new car. I need a place to stay. But spiritual blessings are so much more important because they're eternal. But we, with the eyes of faith, need to, to, to look to Scripture, to look to God and say, Lord, even though I might not have what I think I need on earth, I know that I'm so rich and blessed. And so last week, Pastor Bob shared the spiritual blessing of election. Paul says, you've been chosen by God. The spiritual blessing of adoption. You have been made his child. And the spiritual blessing of redemption. We've been forgiven. Well, this morning, we're going to look at just two more, three more spiritual blessings but the first one we want to talk about is how God has revealed to us how the story will end. So, so what I want to say here is that in verses 8 through 10, we're going to praise God for the blessing of revelation. Now, look with me carefully in verse 8. It says, in all wisdom and insight. That's how verse 8 ends in the New American Standard. Now, that phrase in all wisdom and insight could go either way. It could go to verse 8, where it says he lavished riches on us in all wisdom and insight. Or it could preface verse 9. And I think, that's where I, I, I think that's where it belongs. But the key here is it says, He made known to us the mystery of his will. The phrase that I want you to think about here is he made known to us. The theological term we use for that is revelation, spiritual revelation. You see, God is so wise and so glorious that he can conceal truth or he can reveal truth. And he has so designed the universe that he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in the wisdom of God, it pleased God that the world through its own wisdom would not come to know God. God designed this world so that the only way that we would come to know him after the fall is through his gracious revelation. He has to open our eyes. He has to enable us to see what we would not see on our own. We see this in the life of Jesus. In Luke chapter 11, very proud people were, you know, giving him a hard time. And Jesus looks up and he says, I praise you, Father, that you have hidden these things from the proud, but you have revealed them unto babes. And so what I want us to think about as we, as we explore this passage is the gift of God's revelation. 
Now, look carefully with me. He says, he made known to us the mystery of his will. Now, why does he say the mystery of his will? Why doesn't he just say he made known to us his will? Well, first of all, Paul, as he, as, as he often does when he thinks about the gospel, he uses this term mystery. There's a number of places in the New Testament where Paul equates the gospel with a mystery. Romans chapter 16, God establishes through the mystery, the preaching of the gospel. And so to, to illustrate it, maybe you've been to a movie in which uh, you had to wear 3D glasses, right? Without those 3D glasses, you really couldn't see things. I want to suggest that being a Christian, God gives each one of us 3C glasses, not 3D, 3C. Number one, he enables us to see the mystery of Christ. In other words, who Christ is. Secondly, he, he enables us to see the mystery of the cross. So Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, if the rulers of this world had known who Christ was, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. So he says the preaching of the cross to unbelievers is foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. And so, so God opens our eyes to understand that Christ, when he was on that cross, paid for all of our sins, and we experience forgiveness. This week I was uh, helping someone. There was a, a lady and her son in the parking lot over at Dick's, and, and the, it was raining, and they were trying to get their, their keys out of the car, and I stopped and, and figured out a way we could get that done and help them do that. And I said, but I said, let's pray we can get them. And so when I got done praying, I said, um, praise the Lord. And, and when we got them out, I said, praise Jesus. And she said, praise Mashara. And I go, who's that? What do you mean by that? She said, well, I, I belong to a religion called Israel. And she started talking about the Old Testament and how we need to do our very best to try not to sin. And I said, well, help me understand something. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross? And she said, oh, yeah. He, well, why did he die on the cross? For our sins. Well, what does that mean? If Christ died on the cross for our sins, why are you trying to earn salvation from God? I, she said, well, let me just pay you because you helped me. I said, you don't need to pay me, but I want you to read. Do me one favor. Read Hebrews. The book of Hebrews says, this man made one sacrifice for sins, and he has perfected us forever. And so if you believe that, that's because God opened your eyes. He gave you three C glasses. He showed you who Christ is. He showed you what the cross is. But then out of that, the third C that we're going to see here is he gave us the C of understanding the consummation, that, that we not only know who Jesus is, what he did, but we also know what's coming in the future as a result of that. So look carefully with me in verse 9. It says, He made known to us the mystery of his will. Now, why did he do that? Well, it was according to his kind intention. In other words, out of his gracious kindness, which he purposed in Christ. Now, verse 10 is difficult because it says, with a view to. Now, in the original language, that phrase, with a view to, is not even there. This is a difficult verse. But I think the ESV probably translates it best when it says, as a plan 
for the fullness of time. So God made known to us the mystery of his will as a plan for the fullness of the times. Now again, this is, we're in the deep water right now. You're like, what do you mean by that? Well, this phrase, the fullness of the times, what we're going to see in this passage is this, this idea that before God even slung the world into space, everything was carefully planned out. God didn't just roll the dice and go, let's see what happens. Like, even before the world was created, he ordained the fall. He created Satan. He knew all. And so he's simply unfolding carefully his program. And so the Bible uses this phrase, the fullness of times. And one of the times it's used is to describe the birth of Jesus. In Galatians chapter 4, it says, In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, Jesus. But yet, here we're going to understand that the fullness of times ultimately is not the first coming of Jesus, but rather the consummation when Christ returns. So we have the privilege of knowing how the story ends. Well, how does the story end? Look with me in verse 10. A plan of the fullness of times. Now look at verse 10. The summing up of all things in Christ. Now again, it, it, it's difficult. What, what, what does that mean, the summing up of all things? That word translated summing up can be translated to unite or bring together. In fact, that's what the ESV says. It's a plan for the fullness of times to unite everything in Jesus, to bring everything together, to sum it up, and to bring it to its apex in Jesus. You're like, well, like, can, can you break that down a little bit? Well, there's a couple things. He, he goes on to clarify. He says, we're going to sum up and bring everything together in heaven and on earth. So, so I want you to, I'm just trying to think, how could I illustrate this? A couple things. Remember, the Bible says that everything in this universe was created by Jesus and for Jesus, Colossians 1. Things in heaven, like all the angels, the heavenly city, everything up there that's invisible was created by Jesus. And then the universe was created by Jesus. And when it was first created, the Bible says, and God saw everything that he made, and it was very good. There was perfect shalom. Nothing was out of place. But when Adam and Eve sinned and Satan rebelled, the entire universe was spun into a, a chaotic mess. So, so everything in these two realms, both in heaven and on earth, are in a disarray. <coughs> the universe is fragmented and shattered. So notice it says Christ is going to bring everything together in heaven and on earth. So here below, how's he going to sum it up? Well, right now the world's in rebellion. The world is, is in chaos all over the world. Most people are ignoring God. How is Christ going to bring it all together? And up above, the devil and his demons are in rebellion. The Bible talks about principalities and powers in the heavenly places. The things in the heavens are chaotic and in disarray. You say, but, but pastor, like the world is beautiful. My wife and I are watching a documentary on the, 
National Parks. It's called America's Greatest Idea. And it's stunning. I sit there and I look at that and I go, wow, I want to go, I want to, go to the Tetons. I want to go, oh, I got to go see McKinley or Denali, whatever you want to call it now. But yet, Paul says in Romans chapter 8, even creation itself groans under a curse. The entire universe is in disarray. It's like coming home and a vandal has just taken a baseball bat all over your house and broken all the televisions and all the windows. There's glass, there's junk, and then there's people there that are fighting against you. But God says one day Jesus will bring the riots and the rebellions to a, an end. He will come and undo the mess. He will put it back to its pristine purposes. And we have to remember that part of that, when Christ sums up everything, the Bible says one day every knee will bow. Okay? This is not teaching a universalism in which one day all the angels and all the devils and all the demons of hell and all the rebels against God are going to go, oh, we love you, Jesus, and he's going to come here, kids. The Bible says one day he will say to many, depart from me into everlasting fire. But what a blessing. John Stott says this. He says, the universe will be brought into a unity in Christ. The entire harmony of the universe shall no longer contain alien elements. In the fullness of time, God's two creations, the heavens and the earth, will come together and be unified under the cosmic Christ who is the supreme head of both. Everybody's like, what's going to happen? Uh, global warming. You know, we got to figure out the world's going to fall. You know, is there going to be a nuclear war? And, and God, Paul says, praise God. He has made known to us the mystery of his will. We got the 3D, 3C glasses. We already know Christ. We know about the cross and we know about the consummation. The songwriter had it beautifully when he said, Jesus shall reign wherever the sun doth its successive journeys run. His kingdom shall shine from shore to shore while earth shall wax, or the moon shall wax and wane no more. So Jesus has it under control. He's not going, oh man, everything's out of control. He sits on his throne. And so we praise God for that. Praise God as you read your Bible. Lord, thank you for opening my eyes so I can understand these things. And next week we're going to learn how to pray for more revelation. But the second thing we can praise God for is that he planned to make Jews and Gentiles his inheritance so that they could praise him. You see, in the Old Testament, back in the book of Deuteronomy, remember when God chose the nation of Israel? He said in Deuteronomy 32, the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob, the Israelites, they are his inheritance. So in the Old Testament, the inheritance of God was, was, was the, the nation of Israel. But in the plan and purposes of God, it was his intention that when Christ came that that, that would expand and that, that his inheritance would no longer just be the nation of Israel, but it would be the people of God from every tribe and tongue and nation will join the nation of Israel to be God's possession and to worship him. And so, again, this is a difficult passage, but look at verse 11. It says at the end of 10, in him also, so Paul's like, let me tell you another blessing, we have obtained an inheritance. Now you go, Pastor, you must have stuttered because you said we have been made an inheritance. But this passage says we have a, obtained an inheritance. In fact, if you have the NIV, it says we've been chosen. You're like, wait, what? Huh? 
Well, the word here that's translated obtained an inheritance can very well be translated we have been made an inheritance. And I think that's going to be Paul's point because in the book of Ephesians, we're going to see in chapter 2 that Jews and Gentiles are going to be brought together to be God's people. But, but I'm fine with also saying we have obtained an inheritance. Both are true. If you're a child of God, you have a glorious future inheritance waiting for you. Like Motel 6, the light is on for you. 1 Peter chapter 1 says there's an inheritance waiting for, reserved in heaven for us. Praise the Lord. You're not going to show up and these guys say, ah, sorry, I, I canceled your reservation. But then we, we, we learn some, some reminders about God. He says, the reason we, we've been made an inheritance and obtained an inheritance is because we were predestined. Now look at this. According to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will. What does that mean, that God works all things after the counsel of his will? If ever we needed to hear that, when I look around at the COVID going on in the world, when I look around at the chaos going on in our country, isn't it a blessing to know God is just unfolding His divine, sovereign purposes. He is working all things according to the counsel of His will. Nothing can frustrate His plan. So no matter the outcome of the election, you don't have to wring your hands and go, oh, the world is coming to an end. God is unfolding His purpose. He's got it. The Bible says in Psalm 135, whatever the Lord pleases in heaven and on earth, He does. And so I can take great comfort in knowing that our God is sitting on the throne. You know, I think one of the most stressful jobs would be to be an air traffic controller. You know, we got this plane coming in, we got this guy trafficking. Imagine if one of them fell asleep. And actually, there was a historical example of that, but we won't go there. But God, like a heavenly traffic controller, the Bible says, Jesus is upholding all things by the word of his power, and he's unfolding his plan and purpose. And part of that is to give us the blessing of revealing his riches to us and to comfort us to know that we have an inheritance and that we are his inheritance. But, don't miss this, we are his inheritance for a purpose. Paul says to the end that we, and here he says we in contrast to you, because I think he means Jews, we who were the first to hope in Christ, should be to the praise of his glory. So let me remind you that this blessing is that God made us his inheritance so, so we would praise him. So here, here's a way to think about this. Why did God save me and leave me here on earth? So I could go around and tell people, I belong to God and he's really good. I'd love to tell you about his mercies. In fact, Peter, Peter got excited about this. He told the, the church composed of Jews and Gentiles, and you might want to jot this verse down, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. He says to the people of God, you are a chosen race. You are a holy nation. You are a people, ready, for God's possession. So when you drive home today, you're like, I belong to God. He bought me. Why did he make us his possession? Well, don't miss the end. Peter says, so that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness 
into his marvelous light. So, so we get it. We know why we're here on earth. We know that we've been bought by the blood of God's dear son. And he goes, so I called you. I revealed myself. I brought you out of darkness so you can praise me. So should a day go by that praise isn't on our lips? Should a day go by, no matter how bad things are going on, that I shouldn't say, well, praise the Lord, at least I have my spiritual blessings? Should a day go by that I don't at least try to consider that there are people all around me in darkness, and God has placed me there to proclaim the excellencies? Yesterday, my wife went to kind of a family get-together, and she said, oh, my word, she said, one of the girls there goes to church every morning and, and they're seeking, they're interested. And my brother and I said, oh, Tom, we wish you were there so you could have told them. And I said, honey, you could tell them. I think probably you know that God has given me the gift of evangelism. But the gift of evangelism is not so that you could bring people to me to lead them to Christ. I don't mind that. Bring them. But you can lead them to Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 says the goal of evangelists is not just to win souls, it's to equip the saints. So when I tell stories of people I'm witnessing, it's, to, it's not to, to make you feel bad or to go bring them to me. It's to go, you could do this. You say, yeah, but Tom, as, as somebody said to me, you just walk by someone and you get saved. No. Right? I only tell you the good stories. Right? <laughs> I don't tell you the ones where people make fun of me and laugh. I do tell you them too. But the point is, it's not like everybody you talk to is going to get saved. But what a blessing it is to be able to proclaim God and praise Him. One last blessing. The third blessing. He gave us the blessing of revelation. The blessing of being His inheritance. But lastly, the blessing of assuring our salvation by giving us the Holy Spirit. So look at verse 13. In Him you, you Gentiles, also... Now, he's going to give some, some, some filler, but he says, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Let's start with that. In him you also, we'll, we'll skip some of it after listening and believing, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That word sealed, back then when you, when you owned something, you, you could put a seal on it. They would put seal on animals. Sometimes they would put seals even on servants. They would put seals on something that they, they owned. And so God says, I have sealed you with my Holy Spirit. Now, it's not external. I don't have a tat on my arm. I can do all things through Christ, which, not, you know, it's not the point. The point is, inwardly in our heart, God has sealed us with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's talk about, first of all, when. He says, I did this. Now, look carefully. After listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. This is really important. There are so many people all around us who don't understand the truth of the gospel. Paul said to the Colossians, I praise God that you came to understand the grace of God in truth. Right? There are so many people who go, yeah, Jesus died for me. But time and again, when I say to them, why is God going to let you into heaven? They go, because I'm, I'm trying to do my best. And I go, I know. As soon as they say I'm trying to do my best, you don't understand. You don't understand the truth of the gospel. We can never do our best. Our best is not enough. 
It's his best. And so if you are a Christian at some point in your life, maybe right now God is opening your eyes and you are understanding that the only reason that you'll ever be forgiven and go to heaven is because Christ died for you. That's the truth of the gospel. And some people remember when they believed it. They're like, oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. But if you grew up hearing it, many of you don't remember when you believed it. You were a little kid. Don't worry about when you believed it. Just know that you believe it. As you think about your death, you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. Or do you find consolation in the cross? Jesus paid it all. Do you rest in the finished work of Jesus? If you do, it's because after listening to the gospel, you believed it. So some people make such an emphasis on sovereign grace salvation, which I agree with, that they forget that there's conversion. You have to believe the gospel. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Invite people. Put your trust in Christ. Turn and trust in him. If you haven't done that yet, you're not going to heaven. That's what the Bible says. But if you have, here's God's great consolation. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit. And you're like, well, why? Well, we'll close with verse 14. The Holy Spirit is given to us as a pledge. Now, the problem with that translation is we rarely use the word pledge other than when we dust. Lemon pledge. Remember lemon pledge? I dated myself. Some of you are like, I never heard of that, right? Because you got swifters now. But, but, but have you ever heard of the term pledge money? King James used the word earnest. This word is used of a down payment. What is the purpose of a down payment? A down payment simply says, I'm going to, I'm go this, this is mine, I'm buying it, but I'm just putting my first installment. So it belongs to me, I'll be back for it. Right? And God goes, I gave you my Holy Spirit as a down payment of your future inheritance. Now, I once put a down payment on, on um, bunk beds. I put 40 bucks down, and I never bought the bunk beds. Stinks to be me, right? If God said, I'm going to give you all $100 as your down payment, that wouldn't give me much assurance because, frankly, God owns all the money. So it's not going to hurt him to, 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 to say, hey, you know what? I never came back for it. What's 100 bucks? But he says, I'll give you my Holy Spirit as a down payment, a foretaste. Believe me, I'm not going to forget my Holy Spirit. So notice what it says. The Holy Spirit is our down payment with a view to the redemption of God's possession. That's in the future when he comes back and he goes, now, let me come get mine. Let me come get mine. Let me come get mine. The Bible says that the Lord will come from heaven and the angels will go all over the earth and they will gather his elect. And when Jesus comes back, it says men will hide from him. Matter of fact, I saw on TV the other day, did any of you see this? There's an there's a, a underground cave that you can rent for one day. And it's this elaborate, like if you see it, it's like 50 feet underground. I think it was in Utah or Arizona. It's this elaborate hotel underground, like 50 feet under the caves, right? It's beautiful. They got bearskin rugs and lighting all over. And I'm thinking, why? But I can tell you this, when Jesus comes, there are going to be some people that would want to hide there. But if you belong to Christ, God has sealed you with the Spirit, and, and he will go and find every one of his own, and we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Amen? What a blessing. And so as I struggle through life and I wonder what's going on, God goes, relax. I've sealed you with my spirit. You say, God, why'd you do all this? 
And here it is, the final line, third time, to the praise of his glory. How much do I have to give him to pay him back? We don't pay him back. We praise him. What does he want me to do? How do I earn this? No, we praise him. We praise him for his glorious grace. So as we, we go this morning, I want to close with a quote from John Stott. As we think about history and everything's out of control and what's happening, and unprecedented, and then we read in the Word, God has revealed to us the mystery of His will. He's working everything according to His purpose. You're His inheritance to praise Him. You're sealed with the Spirit. John Stott says this, history is neither meaningless nor purposeless. It's moving towards a glorious goal. And in the church, ethnic unity, bringing Jews and Gentiles and black and white, I'll add, together, red and yellow, is a symbol or foretaste of the future unity that will be greater and more wonderful still. Isn't that comforting? I go, the world's out of control. I go, just keep watching. Just, don't, just keep watching. Keep watching. The summing up of all things. When the kingdoms of this world will be the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And we will with unending joy worship and serve him in a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Isn't that a wonderful GPS to go, thank you, Lord. Thank you for reminding us. You've got this whole thing. And so how could we not close by just praising him? So would you bow with me and just take a moment to praise God in your heart if you're one of his own for his glorious grace. If you're not one of his own, ask him to make you one of his own. Thank you so much, dear God, that you made known to us the gospel, that you opened our eyes and Christ came to dwell in us. You showed us the glory of the cross and the consummation of all things that are coming in Christ. We bless you, Jesus. All authority is yours in heaven and on earth. During our short stay while we're still here, Help us to be disciples and help us to make disciples. And as you taught us to pray, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful day. God bless you.